You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. Thanks, Peter and James. Um, Why don't we go to God's Word this morning and be encouraged by what we find there. We're continuing in our psalm series, and uh, now we find ourselves in Psalm 118. So you can follow along with me at home. I'll be reading just a few verses, verse 5 to 9, and then we'll jump down to 17. Psalm 118, starting in verse 5. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Verse 17, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you've answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is God's word. You know, there are a handful of really fun questions that we might ask one another when we are wanting to get to know people that we don't know. Uh, What books are on your nightstand? Uh, What books you're reading right now? Uh, What was the best meal you've ever had? And if you were on a deserted island, what three things would you take with you uh, on that island? And it wasn't that long ago, I remember people would ask the question, what's loaded on your iPod right now? Now, we don't ask that anymore, uh, rather than we ask, what kind of music do you like? But think about it for a moment. If you could listen to any three songs for the rest of your life, what song would you want running through your mind all the time? Maybe you're thinking no song at all, but what if you could pick a soundtrack for your life? What songs would be on that soundtrack? Maybe The Greatest Showman or Aladdin or what about Grease for some of you? I know that was a good soundtrack. Well, Psalm 118 gives us the soundtrack for God's people. Uh, It gives us the soundtrack of the person who desires to live a life that sings their praises to God all of their life. Psalm 118 is a medley of songs. It's like a a mixtape for God's people. It's It's a mix of different kinds of songs that we are to sing as we follow God and live in this life and desire to know him more. Three songs, that's it, that we find. But there are three songs that really define the the reality of who we are as God's people. They are the song of, of rescue, a song of thanksgiving, and a song of faith. These are the songs that we should be singing together as we gather. They're the songs that we should be singing uh, throughout our life as we go about our way. Let's learn the lyrics of these songs when we look at Psalm 118 and then see the benefit that we get when we join in this kind of singing together. Let's look first at at a song of of rescue. The song of rescue is presented clearly in verse 5. Maybe you see that right away. Out of my distress I called to you. And the Lord answered me and set me free. 
while there is real pain that we see in this passage, the answer for God from God is satisfying. God answers them when, 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 when they call. It's a song that has at its chorus a cry for help. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord. You know, distress here uh, is a word that literally means a, a narrow passage. The psalmist is saying, when I went through this, this tight space in my life, maybe literally for the psalmist, maybe figuratively, but I went through this tight place in my life and I called for help and, and you were there. I remember spelunking in Pepper Sauce Caves one time and going to what was called uh, the book room. I don't know if they have the book room still. This was years ago. But the book room was this opening in the caves at the end of a very long uh, stretch of very narrow passageways underground. I mean, a mile underground, uh, all these tight passageways uh, where it was very easy to get stuck. And I remember on that journey, it was called the book room because if you made it through all of those tight passageways, you got to this room and there was a book and you could sign your name and say, I made it, I got there. And I wanted to get to that room. But on that journey, uh, we went with a group of people, the person in front of me got stuck. And I was literally in between a rock and a hard place. And with my cheek pressed against, who knows how high, a mile high of mountain, and my cheek pressed against on the other side, this straight, clean slab of rock. Claustrophobia began to sink in, and I was on the verge of a breakdown, you can imagine. And I just yelled out in that moment, move, move. I I yelled out to this person in front of me, let's get moving. Uh, The psalmist is saying so much here. The Christian must learn how to call on God when we are in need. Instead of ignoring our trouble, instead of uh, sitting in our pain by ourselves, instead of shaking our head in disbelief or confusion or shaking our fist to God in anger and hatred to him, we ought to be in our knees, on our knees in prayer. We ought to sing this song of rescue. God, God help me. I'm in need. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. But we do not call to God, to a God who's absent, right? What's clear from this psalm is that when we do call, we call to a God who hears us and listens to us. He answers us. Uh, The psalmist says he sets us free from trouble. And and even more beautifully in verse 6 to 7, he is on our side. The Lord is on my side. He is my helper. Our song of rescue is rooted in the fact that we have great reasons to trust in God. He answers us. He is on our side. He will help us. He desires to rescue us from that place that we are in. You could sing a song of rescue to God, which is based on trust in God, or you can actually sing a song of rescue that sounds a little different and is actually based on trust in something else. That something else is described in verse 8 through 9, where he says it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What does it mean to trust in man or woman? What does it mean to trust in in people? Well, it's if you build your life 
and your well-being in life built on the approval of others. You may feel good about yourself when you're getting praise from other people and you're good in their eyes. Uh, Something, you know, you're caught up in a romantic love with another person. Uh, You're being praised and complimented often and flattered by your, your looks or your intellect or your talent. And to trust in, in people is to, to build your life and your identity on basically the praise of others and what they're capable of giving to you. But this will make you devastated when people don't like what you're doing or don't like who you are or criticize you for what you've done. It makes you needy and constantly needing affirmation. I think we know what it's like to be around these kinds of people. We know what it's like to be this kind of person when we feel overly needy. What does it look like to trust in, in princes in verse 9? It's to make an idol out of power. It's a, to make an idol out of position and accomplishment. Uh, it's, it's, it's wanting too much to be in charge of everything in our life. To trust in princes is to trust in those who have the authority and resources to make our life better. And sometimes that's us. I'm in control of my life. And if I'm ever in trouble, I can get myself out of it. Or I know the kind of people who can get me out of it. It's to trust in government or presidents or policies. It's it's to trust in in, in authority and say, as long as I live in a secure nation or to trust in economies and financial markets. Well, it'll leave us increasingly critical when things fail. It'll leave us increasingly paranoid when things get shaky. But the psalmist says, take refuge in God. Sing a song of rescue, not in yourself and not in others and not even in powers in our world. Sing a song of rescue, not even in medicine. Sing a song of rescue from the Lord. Take refuge in God. If you were to monitor your heart today and take a good look inside your heart, where would your confidence be? Where is your refuge? Where's your safety Where do you feel your confidence comes from? Would it be in your your might, your accomplishments? Would it be in your reputation or your success? Or would it be in the Lord? In his strength and his power given to you, his presence for you? Would it be in the fact that he says, I'm with you, I'm in your court, I'm on your side. I hear your cries when when you reach out for help. Total dependency on his power. Total dependency on his care for you. You see, we ought to be people who sing this song. Ongoing in our life of a rescue to God who knows how to help us and who truly loves us and cares for us. If you could sing a song of rescue in your life, uh, what would it sound like? Think about what's distressing you right now, where that Anxiety, worry, or discontent flows from. Where do you feel that you are between a rock and a hard place like I was that day? Where do you feel stuck? Where do you feel, I don't know how to move forward because something is in in my way? Sing to God for his rescuing power. Cry out to him for help. Say, I'm going to cry out to you and, and you are the one who hears me. Sing a song of your dependency on him. Confess that you you need him and you're utterly and completely dependent on his help for you. Let us be people that sing a song of rescue. But there's another song. There's the song of thanksgiving. See in verse 17 and 19, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord's disciplined me severely, 
but he's not given me open to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and, and, and I will give thanks to the Lord. So after rescue comes thanksgiving. After salvation comes praise. This song paints a picture. It's a, a ballad. It's telling a story. The king who has been in a fierce battle it's a dangerous battle. He's even afflicted in battle, and yet he wins victory in that battle. And then he comes home to celebrate. And as he comes home to celebrate, he marches into the city. And the first thing he does is he goes to the temple to thank God. Before he stops at a local restaurant or pub, before he stops at his own home to greet his family, he marches into the city and says, I am going to meet in the sanctuary of God, and I'm going to thank him for rescuing me. God loves a quick return on his mercy. We should acknowledge God's blessings and sing his praises wherever we find them. And, and we ought to be thankful. Are you thankful? Uh, would you be described as a person who's thankful in your life? Then praise him. Then tell God. Are there many things that you are um, glad and uh, that you have? God's kindness, his provision, your health, your, uh, his providence, the resources. Then thank him. Let it be an ongoing song that you sing to give thanks to God. Before I stop off in any place, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to tell him that he is good. You know, there's something else here that's really important. Thanksgiving is a communal event, right? He goes into the temple. He doesn't go into his closet at home. He goes into a very public place where God's people are gathered, and he, he shouts his thanks to God so that everyone can hear. Megan Hill, the author of a book called Praying Together, writes this, Thanksgiving is not simply a thank you card sealed in an envelope and intended only for the eyes of the divine addressee. Thanksgiving is an open public declaration. Thanksgiving doesn't just whisper. Thanksgiving shouts to everyone within earshot. This week you'll have opportunity to give thanks publicly. While others are complaining, while others are grumbling, while others are mumbling and being critical, you will have the opportunity, I promise, to recount God's blessings for which we can be so thankful. It's one of the things we do as we gather on Sunday morning in worship, and one of the things that we should, we should feel sad about and long to, uh, to regain is coming together to, to express thanks to God publicly with one another. But you'll have opportunity to do that in your own home. You'll have opportunity to do it uh, at, if you're at work. You'll have opportunity uh, as, as you're, you'll be tempted to grumble about things. But instead, we can recount. You know, a world that is plagued by conflict and brokenness, you will have the opportunity every single day to enter into the joy of God and thank Him for His kindness to you. The psalmist says, The Lord has disciplined me severely, but He has not given me over to death. Talk about looking on the bright side of things. The Lord has disciplined me, but I, I'm, I'm, at least I'm not dead. In fact, verse 17 was Martin Luther's life motto. Martin Luther, the great German reformer, he says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. It comforted him. It comforted him that when his life was threatened and his very life was being hunted 
by great powers in the region, he knew that he had much to give thanks for. You see, we're often in need of great comfort in the midst of difficulty, and nothing is a better remedy than when we are suffering than to sing a song of thanks. A song of thanks to God for his kindness to us. Be thankful. Recount God's blessings. Sing a song of thanksgiving wherever you are. And the third and final song that every Christian needs to sing is a song of faith. A song of faith. Let me show you where we see this song of faith. It's found in verse 22 and 23. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So the psalmist is rejoicing in God's work. He is seeing something that's really unlikely and and, and strange and confusing, and he's saying, this is God's doing, and I'm going to trust that this is his work. He uses this image of a stone that's rejected by builders that becomes something of utmost importance to that building. And it's difficult to imagine exactly what the psalmist had in mind when he uses this phrase. It's possible that he's talking about the Israelites when they were in slavery in Egypt. The Egyptians were master builders. They rejected God's people. God's people blessed the Israelites and raised them up and gave them the promised land and poured out his blessing on them. And so they are kind of like the stone that was rejected that has now become a stone of great blessing. Or was it just a famous saying that the Israelites and, uh, used at the time? We don't really know for sure But whatever it meant, we do know this, it was clear that it was a testimony to us all of the reality of how God works, that he uses despised things and exalts them to glorify him. He uses despised things and things that are low and broken and and cast away, and he uses those things uh, as great blessing. Whatever the precise meaning in the Old Testament Jesus tells us that this phrase is ultimately about himself. He directly cites uh, Psalm 118, verse 22 and 20 to 24. The apostle Peter uh, quotes this passage twice when talking about Jesus on two different occasions. We know that, that Psalm 118 is a remarkable summary of the meaning of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus would say, the psalmist in 118 was talking about me. I am the stone that was rejected, but now has become the cornerstone. The psalmist is showing us what it looks like to have faith in Jesus. And he works in unlikely ways. The cornerstone would be in a building, a stone that would take the weight of the building. The whole weight of the building would rest on this corner. And as you're looking through a pile of stones, you would throw away stones that were of no use. You'd throw away stones that were broken and weak and cracked and flawed or despised. It's all throughout the Bible. It's how God normally works. He brings low the people who are proud and self-sufficient, and he exalts the humble and those who are dependent on God and those who cry out to God for help. It can be said that wherever we are at any given moment, we can expect God to flip us. To to flip us. If we are prideful, if we are arrogant, if we are filled with myths of our own self-sufficiency, we can expect that God will bring us low. He will humble us. 
And yet if we are broken, if we are low before God, if we acknowledge our neediness and dependency on him, if we cry out to him and help and say, God, I'm hurting and I need you, we can be sure that he will lift us up. He will bring healing to us. He will encourage us. He will exalt us and he will bless us. God loves to do his best work in us when we are most weak before him. And so Jesus' life and death and resurrection means precisely this, that the basis of our rescue, our salvation, our forgiveness of sins, and our hope in the future is not in our ability to manage ourselves, to become strong in our own power. And it's not even in our circumstances to go well. But our hope is in the, the stone that the builders rejected, which has become our cornerstone. Our hope is in God Almighty becoming a servant to give his life for us. Jesus was rejected so that no matter what troubles you and I face, we would never be rejected. He was cast away and crucified and buried so that we would always have life in God through Jesus. He was rejected so that we could always be accepted by God. Jesus was rejected and killed and buried, and yet he was risen and has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone of what? Well, of the church, of his people, of you and I, of the, of the blessings of God. All of God's promises and blessings rest on Christ. And if we are in Christ, if he is our foundation, our strength, if he is the point to which we look for all hope and blessing, then all of God's promises are ours. When we rest in Christ, the blessings of God are made of use to us. Even if what is bad is a result of our own sin, even human wickedness or contagious diseases or insecure markets, the psalm of faith says, let us rejoice because God has done this. Let us rejoice because he's rejected the, 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 the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Even though God is working in ways that we do not fully understand, let us rejoice. And that's the essence of faith, isn't it? It's believing without seeing and truly understanding. It's believing in what God has said and done and saying, this sounds strange. I don't understand why a builder would reject a stone that is worthless and that thing becomes good, but it's what he did with Jesus. It's the essence of faith. You cannot possibly know the full scope of what God is doing in your midst of your suffering, but don't try to predict it. Don't try to guess what he is doing. Just believe him that he is on your side. Believe that he is in your corner. Believe that he answers our cries. Believe that he strengthens us. Jesus' life and death and resurrection is the clearest evidence in all the world that those who seek to find their joy in their circumstances will soon lose the comfort in their own life. They will lose their life, but those who seek to find their comfort in life in Jesus will find their life. Those who lose their life for his sake by submitting to Jesus will truly find it. The song of faith is the instrument of our very salvation. To look at God and his work and what he has done in Jesus Christ for us and to say, he did that for me and his blessings are now mine. Forgiveness and rescue and hope for a future that is good. And so if we 
willingly, if we, if we fail to submit our will to God and our lives to God in, in constant and humble dependency on Him, there should be no wondering that our lives demonstrate such little fruitfulness and joy. There should be no wonder why our lives demonstrate such chaotic restlessness in our hearts. We will not enjoy the benefits of Christ exalted in our lives until we make Him our everything. So sing His praises. Sing a song of rescue. Sing a song of of gratitude and thanksgiving. And sing a song of faith in what He has done through Jesus. If we sing these three songs, then the praise of God will always be on our lips. And joy will always be in our hearts. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's filled with confusion. It's filled with uh, with misunderstanding and difficulty. But this is where Jesus shines. He shines in the darkness, in weak days, in weak things, and in weak hearts. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray.